Well, good morning. So good to see you today. My name's Adrian. I'm one of the pastors here at Carnegie Free, and great to be with you. Welcome to everyone in the venue and here in the auditorium. You know, one final quick word um, after Dave and Robert's update there. Sure appreciate their leadership on this capital opportunity. If you don't yet have um, a pledge card, you can get that out of the journey wall or at the information table. We've also made available a list of frequently asked questions that are available in both of those locations as we've got a number of questions from you about this opportunity. And then finally, there's a brochure out there at the journey wall and the information table that you can pick up that gives you more information in the event that you weren't here when we first launched this initiative about five weeks ago. So please feel free to grab that if you don't yet have it. One final announcement here for today. If you're a member here, we would welcome you to come to our annual meeting this afternoon at 345. We just have one business meeting per year here at Carney E. Free Church. Can I get an amen? <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, yes, yes. Amen, amen. Um, sorry, I can't help myself. Used to have four meetings to have one is a good thing. We just have one here. So that's this afternoon at 345, and uh, you're actually all welcome to come to it. Members will be welcome to vote for new elders and our budget. So again, that's 3.45 though, this afternoon over in the North Auditorium where the venue meets right now. We'd love for you to join us for that. What a beautiful fall morning it is, huh? Gorgeous weather we've had this past week. I hope you've had an opportunity to get outside and enjoy it. We're still in this uh, sermon series, God's Story, Our Story, which takes us through the remainder of the year. And what we've been trying to do a little bit in the New Testament uh, obviously, in the Old Testament, it's a little bit easier to go episode by episode through a long timeline. But in the New Testament, what we've been trying to do is look at themes, key themes that you see again and again in the New Testament, first in the Gospels of Jesus Christ, and then after that, we will get into the initiation of the church, and then the letters from Paul and Peter and others, and then the final book, Revelation, as we will wrap this up here in the coming months before Christmas. But this morning, well, we're going to talk about the gift that we have, which is spoken of again and again in the New Testament, the gift of prayer. Among the most frequent questions that I get as a pastor goes something like this. What's the point of prayer? Like, I mean, why should I really pray? If I'm, to be honest with you, Adrian, it's a little bit boring. Sometimes it feels ritualistic, at least the way I learned prayer as a kid in whatever church denomination yeah, you were a part of, if you were a part of one. It kind of feels passive. I'm not sure if it makes any real difference in the world. You ever wondered any of those? Every hand should be raised because at one time or another we've all wondered uh, what difference does prayer make? And you know, sometimes I don't really enjoy prayer that much. There's one pastor I know of who has even admitted, it's fine to pray and to ask God what he wants to do through your church if you want to do that, but I prefer to be proactive rather than reactive. A pastor said that. May God have mercy on his church. Holy moly. I mean, if the church is dependent on the pastor's proactivity... That church is in trouble. Some of us wonder why the God of the universe would even care to field requests 
from our little lives. Like, we're not that big, we're not that special on a cosmic scale. I appreciated the words noted already though this morning as well. Reflect upon what happened in our nation here this past week and uh, just the wickedness therein well, with these bombs and the, the terrible shooting at the synagogue yesterday. And I'm actually going to speak on those things a little bit next week. But I'll be honest with you, sometimes when I see things like that in the weekly news cycle, I wonder, God, would you be concerned at all with my little life? Why pray? More to the point, I think many of us quit on prayer because we've had an experience at one time or another where we've asked God again and again to do something that we really, really wanted. And it didn't happen. And over the course of time, having a few of those experiences can result for us in a kind of prayerlessness. I had a friend who admitted to me, Adrian, I don't feel like my prayers get past the ceiling. They hit the ceiling, they come back down to me. And Again, this experience will trigger for us at times, if we meditate on it too much, a kind of prayerlessness. I'm so grateful for a scene in the Gospels, in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 11, in which one of Jesus' closest friends comes to him with this question. How do we pray? And they come to him specifically at a time after he has been away on a retreat, if you will, with his heavenly father. One of the things you see consistently in Jesus' lifestyle was an incredible productivity followed by a retreat into the presence of the Lord. In which he spent time alone in solitude with God to be refreshed by God, which then spurred him out into kingdom work again. Over and over again, you see that from Jesus. And Jesus had one of those type of experiences in Luke chapter 11, and he must have come back from it after being with the Father, just radiant, because he was in the the presence of the joy of his Father. And the disciples see him, and they send one of the disciples, one of Jesus' friends, they say, oh, Jesus, there's something different about you. Would you please teach us how to pray the way you do when you go away with the Father. Would you like to know that? Yeah, I'd like to know that. And so this is one occasion in Luke 11, which was also stated in Matthew chapter 5, in which Jesus responds with what we would call today the Lord's Prayer. He responds to his disciples' request, teach us how to pray with the Lord's Prayer. And the Lord's Prayer is what I would like to teach on this morning. And as I unpack it, I want to encourage you that this is not merely a ritual that you were taught to memorize as a kid and sometimes you continue to say before bed these days. It can be certainly that, and that's not all bad, but it's also a method of teaching, an outline for prayer that Jesus gives to his disciples and to each of us this morning. He gives us an outline, and what we're going to do is unpack it line by line such that we would have an outline for how we would approach God in our daily prayer life. You can use this as part of your daily prayer, or on a regular basis at the very least, you go to the Father in this way with the Lord's Prayer as your outline that you unpack across your daily needs. 
And let me just say that if you're in a habit right now of prayerlessness, this is a no condemnation message. Okay, we've all heard prayer messages where you feel condemned. That's not this. This is a no guilt message. This is an encouragement message. That God has given us this beautiful model of prayer. And as we get into it, it becomes a nourishment for our soul. Because the truth is, the foundational spiritual discipline for the Christian life is prayer. If you're going to have any kind of relationship with God, any kind of warmth with God, that will be dependent on the kind of prayer life that you nourish with Him. If you want to enjoy the kingdom of God as trusting children, as we talked about last week, that will be dependent on prayer. If you want to embrace the kingdom of God as wary travelers, as we talked about last week, that will be dependent on prayer. And if you want to be a part of expanding the kingdom of God this week as passionate participants with him in his work, then prayer must be the water that we bathe in. We start with prayer. Here's a simple definition that I've given on a number of different occasions. If you've been around here for six or eight months, you've probably heard me give it, and I'll say it again in the future as well. Prayer is a very real you. The real you. Having a very real conversation with a very real God. There's nothing bogus about it. It's honest. There's nothing fraudulent about it. It's not a bunch of rituals that you have to do. It's a get-to. The very real you having a very real conversation with a very real God, which would include things like confessing my failures, thanking God for his goodness to me, praising God for his power and his might and his characteristics. It would include listening to God. It would include interceding for others and asking for my daily needs. It would include crying out to God. I love the way the great preacher Charles Spurgeon put it. Back in the 19th century, Charles Spurgeon was the preacher of preachers. He was the prince of the pulpit. He was a man's man if there ever was one. He would fill up the Metropolitan Tabernacle in um, London with 10,000 people at a time for two or three services a day. Just incredible man of God. Great, great man of strength. And he was known to say the most powerful form of prayer could aptly be described as nothing more than a cry. Nothing more than an honest cry out to God. Prayer is the real you having a real conversation with a very real God. It's friendship with God. And just like other forms of friendship, it must be cultivated. If you want to have a great friendship, you need to give some form to that relationship, don't you? You you need to actively Talk to that person. You need to actively share some of your heart, some of your burdens with that person. You need to receive some of their burdens into your heart if you want to have a great friendship with that person. There are certain things that you must do if you want to have a great friendship. You know what I'm saying? You hear me? There's a form to it. And so also with prayer, if we want to have a great prayer language and a great friendship with God, there's a form that we must keep. Now, it's not always formal. I'm not suggesting that. It need not always be ritual, but there is a form to it. And if you just kind of have a whatever attitude toward prayer, well, you'll get what you put into it. You'll get out of it what you put into it, much like other areas of life. There needs to be a cultivation of this. Well, given this definition of prayer, 
that it's not just a religious activity that we go through a couple times per day before meals because we have to. It's not a way that we ring the cosmic ATM machine so that we get the benefits that we want from God. But it's a relationship. It's a, a building of a friendship with God. How would we do it? How would we do it? I think to that, he has given us the Lord's Prayer, which is meant to transform us as we really enter into it. Now, what I'd like to do here today is give you a few different reasons that many of us quit praying, and then a few reasons after those that I would encourage you to keep on praying in spite of the temptation to quit praying. Here's the first one. I quit praying because God didn't give me what I wanted. Anyone? Anyone else? Me on stage, I'll raise my hand for you. I quit praying because God didn't give me what I wanted. I want to encourage you, keep on praying because God's will might be, it might be far better than what you want today. So God begins with this. Jesus, the Son of God, Bob, begins with these words. Our Father who art in heaven, holy is your name. Hallowed be your name. All that means is holy is your name. Set apart, unique, perfect, different than all others is your name and your character. We begin our prayers to a good God and Father. And so we go to our Father as he is. He is Abba. He is kind. He is generous. He is protective. He is loving. And so we are warmed by his presence, and we go to him as Yahweh, who is holy and powerful and above all else, and he is to be even feared. We have a sense of awe before his presence. Both of these in our good, good father that we just sang about. Our God is able, and our God is willing. Do you believe that? Let's say that out loud together. Our God is able and our God is because he's a good good father our God is able and our God is willing and the gospels affirm that over and over and over again about him he is able and he is willing this last week I was at a couple days of retreat off-site in order to plan through sermons for 2019 and also just to have some time of reset to be with the Lord and to enjoy fellowship with him, to pray with him for a couple days. And one of the passages that guided my prayer over these days was Psalm 103, which is a psalm of King David. Just sit back and listen to this description of our Father God from Psalm 103. Praise the Lord, O my soul. All my inmost being, praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases. Who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion. Who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagle's. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all the oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses, his deeds to the people of Israel. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. He will not always accuse, nor will he harbor his anger forever. He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he 
forgiven our transgressions. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. For he knows how we are formed. He remembers that we are dust. We're here today and gone tomorrow. The life of mortals is like grass. They flourish like a flower of the field. The wind blows over it and it's gone. And its place remembers it no more. But from everlasting to everlasting, the Lord's love is with those who fear him. And his righteousness with their children's children. With those who keep his covenant and remember to obey his precepts, the Lord has established his throne in heaven and his kingdom rules forever. Praise the Lord, you his angels, you his mighty ones who do his bidding, who obey his word. Praise the Lord, all his heavenly hosts, you his servants who do his will. Praise the Lord, all his works everywhere in his dominion. Praise the Lord, my soul, everyone who has breath, praise the Lord. Mm, 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 mm. We're moved by the gentleness and the compassion of our good, good Father. We're awed by his power and his holiness, and we begin our prayers with a recognition of who he is. And that propels our prayer life to recognize the greatness of our God, that you are awesome, holy is your name. Our Father who art in heaven, holy is your name, right and good and perfect is your name, totally loving and trustworthy. May your kingdom come, may your will be done here on earth in my life as your will is always done in heaven. May your kingdom come right here in my family and in my life even this week. Again, that's a great way to start your prayers. What Jesus is saying there, well, when he gives that next line, may your kingdom come, may your will be done, is what he says everywhere in the Gospels, that we are to pray in the name of Jesus for God's will to be done, and it will be given unto us. When the Bible says pray, and it will be given unto you, it is always assuming that we are praying according to the will of God. Pray that God's will will be done in our lives, and then it will be given to us. Sometimes I think we might be wise to conclude our prayers with a statement like, God, if there's anything that I've said here that is less than what you would want, I give you permission to go ahead and cancel it out right now and do something better. Because I've learned over time that sometimes God's no's are actually his best yeses. You know what I'm saying? I've learned that over time. That if God would have given me everything that I wanted, everything that I asked for in my wants, I'd be the most selfish person you've ever met. And so I thank God for the no's that he has given me. Now when we are invited to pray in the name of Jesus for God's will to be done, what that's saying there is not that you have to pray in your name, the little mantra at the end of your prayer. You can do that, but make it meaningful if you do so. In Christ's name, may it be meaningful if you pray that way. The point there is we pray through the character and the nature of God, with the will of God in our minds, with the will of Jesus Christ in our minds as we pray. I sometimes don't use that at the end of my prayer just for the very reason of it not becoming a magical mantra in our minds. There is no magic to prayer. Again, it's a very real conversation between a very real person with a very real God. God, your will be done in my life as it is always done in heaven. You know, early on in my Christian journey, I, 
experienced some really, really specific answers to very specific prayers. And they're very powerful for building my faith. I'm not sure exactly why God did this to give these specific answers. Perhaps it's because I have a naturally skeptical bent, and so he helped me out in my faith by giving me specific answers to my prayers. But as I've journeyed in my faith across the years, now going on 21, 22 years, I sometimes see less specific answers than I did when I was a young Christian. I sometimes wonder why that is. But then I wait patiently, or I'm trying to teach myself to wait patiently. <laughs> I don't always do it. But I try to teach myself to wait patiently. And isn't it interestingly, interesting that as we wait patiently, sometimes we see God's answers in a different angle than we would have expected. And sometimes it's a year or two or five years down the road than we have wanted. But we wait for it patiently because we know his will is always better than ours. God's will may be better than you presently know. So keep on praying and don't give up. Your kingdom come in my life. Now be careful if you choose to pray that. Because God might give it to you. you. You choose to pray it. We talked about last week. You choose to pray the Lord's Prayer. God, your kingdom come in my life. Let me be a part of your kingdom. Well, he just might invite you to be a part of his work, to expanding his kingdom. So don't ask if you don't want it. But please ask. Here's another reason that many people quit praying. I quit praying because God doesn't care about my little life. God doesn't seem to care about my little life, or why would he even care about my little life with my little needs? No, keep on praying. God wants us to rely on him for our daily needs, whatever they might be. You remember what the next line in the Lord's Prayer is? Anyone? Can I hear it? I heard someone whisper and shout from the venue, give us this day our daily bread. Give us this day our daily bread. Well, what does that mean? Daily bread. Daily bread in the original Greek language means daily bread. It's saying, go to God with your basic needs. He cares about your basic needs. One of the things that I'm always sure to do in my spiritual life is to bathe myself in the Gospels of Christ because in the Gospels of Christ, I see the Lord's great love for us in the midst of our hunger or our thirst or when we are tired or when we are sick. Jesus never casted those people away. The only time Jesus was angry with people was typically with self-righteous religious people who lorded over other people. When people come to him in hunger or in sadness or in pain or in thirst, he cares for people right where they are. A simple biblical truth is sometimes we don't have because we don't ask. And sometimes we don't receive when we ask because we ask with very selfish motives. And sometimes, hear me now, we don't receive when we ask because we're not actually praying, we're just ritualizing. We're just doing like this little ritual prayer before meals or before bed, but we don't mean it to the God of heaven who is able to act, who is able and willing to come down and intercede, and he cares about our daily needs. 
We are co-laborers with God in prayer. If you will, we are moving a rock up a hill toward God. With God at our side, we are co-laborers with him, getting some of his will done in the world. Some people say, well, God doesn't care about my, my, my little needs, whatever they might be, and uh, why would God uh, be concerned with my little life? And, and really, whatever God uh, wants to happen, that's what will happen. His will will be done. Friends, that's Islam, not Christianity. It's Islam. Islam teaches this determinism, this fatalism, that whatever you do makes no difference in the world. Christianity teaches that in the sovereignty of God, he has organized things to incorporate your prayers in what he wants to do in the world. That's what Christianity teaches. That part of the way he has organized the world is to give us some say-so in how things get done in our little postage stamp of creation. And the biggest way that he has given us say-so is the instrument of prayer. Let me illustrate. Last week, I was at the pumpkin patch well, with my boys, and um, of course Silas, our seven-year-old, picks out a pumpkin that goes basically from his waist to the top of his head. And so he tries to pick it up. Ugh, ugh, drops it about three times. Okay, this, this is not happening, is it? And so I, he asked me, Dad, will you help me pick up my pumpkin and carry it to the car? So sure, bud, I'll pick up your pumpkin. And I pick it up, and I start to walk, and then I have a light bulb moment as a parent. I shouldn't be doing this all for him. That's not equipping him to lead. And so I said, buddy, come on over with me and help me carry this pumpkin. I need your help to carry this pumpkin to the car. And so he carries the pumpkin with me the next 100 yards to get to the car, and we're both kind of huffing and puffing as we get there. Could I have done that by myself? Please, someone say yes. Okay, come on. I could have done that by myself. I may have been sweating really hard, but I could have done that by myself. But I want his involvement. God wants your involvement. He wants you to join him in carrying the pumpkin home. I love the way Claude King and Henry Blackaby put it in their wonderful book from 25 years ago, Experiencing God, as it relates to asking God in prayer, they note this, if you're not in the habit of keeping a spiritual journal, you need to. Why? Why, you ask? Well, if the God of the universe tells you to do something, you should write it down. That's why. Okay? You want to hold on to it before you lose it. All of our minds are feeble. We lose what goes into our minds, especially in this information-saturated world that we live in. I mean, they wrote that 25 years ago. How much more bits of information come across our eyes on a daily basis than across anyone's eyes back 25 years ago? If we want to hold on to what God has done in our lives in response to our very specific prayers, we would be wise to take note of the most important prayers that we are asking God again and again and again. And then we're to keep on praying and not give up the way we're tempted to give up after one time. I have two different kinds of prayers in my life. I have prayers that I might pray about a, a few times, and I have other prayers that I'm going to pray and pray, and I'm going to simmer those until God gives me permission to stop praying them. And that might be months or even years down the road. I've had some unanswered prayers for 20 years now. But God hasn't given me permission to stop. 
So I keep praying them. And you write those down, and then when God gives you the, the answer, then you write that down, you examine the integrity of it, and that has an incredible way of building our faith. God delights in us asking for the small and necessary things that make up most of our lives. And so what are your daily needs? What's your daily bread? For some of us here today, it might be making rent. God would be concerned about that. He cares about you. So pray for that. And do the hard work that is your responsibility of separating needs from wants. And as you separate out some of those wants, that's your responsibility. God holds you responsible for that. As you separate out the wants and you get down to the needs and you still have need, well, keep praying for it and, and come to your church and ask. Your church loves you, and the church is part of God's answer to prayer many times. Maybe you have a daily need of a babysitter for your kids. Would that be a daily need? Yeah, it sure would. Well, ask, beg, simmer it. Maybe you have a critical spirit, and you hate that about yourself. Would that be a daily need for your family? To grow in kindness and to reduce this critical spirit? Yeah. Pray for it. Ask. Simmer it before God. He cares about these things. We never get beyond asking. God delights in our simple, childlike requests. And indeed, the Bible unashamedly recommends them. Some people prefer more lofty forms of prayer. But the Bible unashamedly welcomes us to ask for our daily bread. Here's another reason, finally, that many of us quit on prayer. Uh, I quit praying because I'm still struggling with the same old hang-ups that I've been struggling with for years. It doesn't seem like my prayers are making much of a difference. I want to encourage you to keep on praying because God cares about you and he wants to help you with those old hang-ups that you've been dealing with for many, many years. Uh, I'll admit here that this is probably the reason that I struggle with prayer the most, that I see in my own moral character some weaknesses that have been there for a long, long, long time. And I've been praying over those for a long, long time. Like, I'm actually okay with the fact that uh, God is not going to give me everything that I want. Again, because if he did, I'd be way too selfish. So I'm okay with that. I'm okay with the fact that God is not going to force people into his love. He's a gentleman. He doesn't force his way in. Okay, I've been praying for certain people who don't know Christ for a long, long, long time. I'm disappointed. They still don't know Christ. I still love them. I won't stop loving them. I know God loves them far the more, but I am okay in my theology well, with the fact that God will not force them to come in. I'm even okay with the fact that God won't heal all of the diseases and all of the injuries and all of the sicknesses though, that we see all around us because I know we live in a fallen world and every square inch of creation is affected by the fall. 
My theology is big enough to handle that. In fact, I would anticipate suffering to come to all of our lives. We embrace suffering well when it comes, bud, because we realize that one day Jesus will redeem all suffering when he returns in glory and wipes away every tear. But until that time, our theology teaches us to expect that there will be some physical and emotional and relational heartache this side of eternity. We should expect that. But the thing that is hard for me in terms of unanswered prayer is my lack of patience over decades. Or my judgmental spirit that rears its ugly head at times over decades. Where I know that in these moral areas of life, God would want that to be out. And so I prayed with him in that and said, God, why do I continue to struggle with across all of these years? Well, could it be that God would have us rely on him, even in the midst of that moral weakness, such that we would go to the next lines of the Lord's Prayer, lead us not into temptation, deliver us from evil, forgive us our sins. Because as we are praying those on a day in and day out basis, God, will you please forgive me of my sins as I forgive others who have sinned against me? Would you lead me not into temptation as I go about my day to day that I would not fall into impatience or envy or judgmentalism or any other number of sins that I could fall into? And would you lead me from the evil one who would want me to fall into all of those? And sometimes God would keep us in a place where we have these character weaknesses even across decades, not because he sanctions those sins, but because he wants us to rely on him daily. Could it be? I actually think that's possible, that God would give each and every one of us some character weaknesses that we are called upon to lean into him on a daily basis such that we would learn this dependency on the Holy Spirit. I cannot become the kind of man that I want to be outside of your daily presence in my life, Holy Spirit, so would you please deliver me? Would you please help me today? And one of the greatest promises we have in the scriptures is 1 Corinthians 10, 13, which says simply this, God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. It doesn't say he won't give you more than you can bear. It nowhere says that in the Bible. You will be given more than you can bear for the very purpose of bringing you to your knees so you need Jesus all the more. But he will not lead you to be tempted beyond what, you can be, beyond what you can bear. And when you are tempted, he will provide a way out so you can stand up under it. That is a great promise from God. Such that you need not fall into the same temptation day after day. But what you must do is rely on the Holy Spirit day in and day out. To become the kind of woman of God that you want to become the kind of man of God that you want to become. Do you have enough faith to believe that today? I pray that you do. I mean, I'm, I'm kind of like this really thick roast that's thrown in the crock pot, and I wish it could be done like yesterday. But patience is not the kind of thing that you can pray to God to give you quickly. <laughs> Character is forged slowly, like in a crock pot for 20 years, but it's happening. I'm slowly becoming a little bit more tender. 
I know that I am by the grace of God. So what is it for you? What, what is your regular struggle? What is your regular struggle? You say, boy, I've been struggling with this for such a long, long time. It doesn't seem like God is coming through. But maybe he wants you to rely on him in that. Maybe it's, it's bitterness. And you give God your bitterness again today, and you ask God, would you thaw me out? Would you take away the cold that I have toward these people? Would you thaw me out? And it won't happen immediately, but God be praised, it'll slowly happen as we depend on him. Maybe it's a judgmental spirit. Maybe it's depression. And you wish God would heal you of that depression immediately. But sometimes God doesn't heal us of depression or anxiety immediately so that we would learn to rely on him in it day after day, that we could go to our good, good father and hear from him, yes, you are my beloved daughter. Yes, you are my beloved son, and I care for you today. And on and on we could go. With greed, or lust, or pride, or covetousness, or unforgiveness. God, we are dependent on you. You're a good, good father. And we want to have this conversational relationship with him where we bring our very real self to a very real God and have a real conversation. And we slowly, day after day, year after year, long obedience in the same direction, we begin to see him change us even through this wonderful instrument that he has given us called prayer. I wonder if you do this. Um, maybe right where you're sitting here today in the auditorium or in the venue, if you've come here with someone else in the family, maybe you'd hold hands with them. And uh, together we're going to pray the Lord's Prayer. And you'll see it up on the screen in both rooms. And um, I would ask that you would pray it out loud with me as we read it. And then after we pray the Lord's Prayer... As we do so, the band will come up on stage, and uh, after we pray this, I just want to pray this prayer over you, and ask God to bless you with these words. Would you join me? Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory. Lord Jesus, we thank you today that you have given us this model prayer that we could bathe ourselves in it, perhaps on a daily basis. Thank you for every friend in this room. Thank you for every friend in the venue, though, this morning. And I pray over them. We thank you first, Father, that you are willing and you are able. You are a good God. You are the most beautiful being that our minds could even imagine, more than we could imagine. And as such, you invite us to pray to you as Father. So we come before you right now as our our good dad, our loving provider, our protector, the one who is holy and different and unique, the one who is powerful, the one who is able to act in our lives. 
we ask, God, that you would help us. I pray, God, that your will would be done in every life here, that your kingdom would come into every family here, that your will would be done in our world this Monday through Saturday, that you would use us for your glory. Father, many of us are struggling with all kinds of daily needs. We have daily bread. And so we ask for you, God, for those in this room today who are having difficulty making rent, would you provide for them? For those in this room who are enduring relational trial and there is an intensity to their marriage, they can't see eye to eye with their husband or their wife, we ask, God, that you would give them wisdom today on how they would pursue peace. For those in this room today who are struggling with a bitter or a critical spirit, would you give them the daily bread of kindness? Father, would you lead us away from temptation? Would you deliver us from the evil one? Would you forgive us of all of our sins as we forgive those who have sinned against us? There are people who have sinned against us choose to forgive them in the name of Jesus. We have sinned against others. So we commit now in this moment, Lord, that we would get right with them. We would ask forgiveness where appropriate. And we ask you to forgive us. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you do every time. Thank you, Heavenly Father, that you do every time. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that amidst the various challenges that we experience right now, the moral weaknesses that we have, we can depend on you and find that you are our present help in time of trouble, that you will shepherd us along and you will give us help when we are weak. Thank you that we can depend on you. Lord, we want to be careful in all things to give you all the credit, give you all the glory. Unto you is the kingdom, the power, and the glory now and forevermore. 